Hail, you true sons and daughters. I'm John Miller, and this is Locked on Mizzou, your destination for partisan Missouri Tigers football and basketball talk three days a week here during the off-season period. And today, well, as we often do during this COVID period, we're going to go back in time and do a time machine segment going all the way back to 1990, talking about what was happening in that particular year. Also, I've been noticed. I've noticed over the weekend there was talk about how because there is no college football union that the players don't have a voice. I'd kind of like to challenge that notion a little bit. And you know what? Also at the top here, I got to remind you guys about Built Bar. You see, Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to builtbar.com for ten dollars off your first order by using the promo code Locked On. You know what, another thing here at the top, Blake, I'll just ask you this. I have a good trivia question, just doing some, some research here. We'll, we'll pay it off at the end. I just want to, I want to see if, you, if I can jog your memory by the end of this episode. In 1994, in what venue did Larry Smith get his first victory as a Mizzou football coach? You think about that one. But first, Blake, I want to talk about June 8th. That seems to be when college football, the players, are going to return to campus. What are your overall thoughts? Obviously, you're pleased, right? You got to be pleased. Well, certainly, it's it's <laughs> nice to. I think the feeling has been, or at least I've had the feeling that as you know, things have started to reopen and things. I want to say maybe the. I don't want to use the word paranoia, but just the concern level. I sure, think, I think more information has become available, and, and there's it's not as much projection and fear as it is people. We're starting to maybe understand a little bit now, right. What we what we actually faced with this thing, um, and so you know. Things are starting to open again, and right. Um, so I think the feeling has been that you know that there's going to be they're going to find some way or do everything they can to play football this fall, right? Um, and you're seeing that with you know Major League Baseball is doing negotiations, the NBA is doing negotiations, so th- they're they're going to try to get this stuff done. But having an actual date established at June 8th is a uh, it seems like a big you know a big milestone for me. Yeah, just uh, the fact that they're talking about coming back this early. In fact, that they are going to come back this early makes me think, gosh, we really are going to get football here, aren't we? And without going too deeply into, you know, COVID political talk, we get plenty of that everywhere, don't we? I shared some of my thoughts on that a few days ago. But really, to me, it's the thing that I noticed this weekend. Just I, I stayed around in Columbia this weekend. I don't know about you, Blake, but obviously we saw all the, the crowds down at the Lake of the Ozarks. That was a big thing on CNN. No matter what you think about that, though, my point is, is people are out and about. People are voting with their feet all of a sudden. They're kind of they're tired of the whole fear thing. Obviously, there are some people who are going to disagree with that. And if you're that person, you may have legit reasons for that. So I'm not trying to argue with you. I'm just pointing out where the tide is going at this point. And it sure seems like, man, Columbia was packed this weekend with people out and about enjoying themselves. Still people in mass doing social distancing. But to me, it just... Again, it feels like we're making progress here, at least from my opinion. I think maybe the, um, you know, the staying in and the and the quarantine procedures and things were a little easier for people to stomach when, because the weather just seemed to be dreary. And, it was, and, you know, and it was raining all the time and it was always overcast. It was like it wasn't sure. that hard to to resist the urge to to go outside. But you know, we seemed to turn a corner with the weather recently, and now yeah. you know it's eighty five and sunny, right. and you just. You just can't stay in your you can't stay in your house, especially on Memorial Day weekend. Yeah, there's it's just, just no tough. way. And you're 21 years old. Yeah, I, you know I don't blame these kids. To be I'm, I'm with considerably you, more than I mean I didn't I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't in the pool at no. the lake or anything. But no, I you know I got out on the go- I got out on the golf course a couple times this weekend and sure. just you know just have to go out and 
have some sun and you know makes you it just everything feels better when you're right. outside and you're not you're not locked in so i think that's sort of now locked on is a good thing locked, locked on is good locked, <laughs> locked in, in bad. Is, locked in is never is never enjoyable so uh yeah i mean it's it's just a matter of time you we're going to keep able to keep society in, sure. in, in a cocoon for indefinitely. So. Yeah, and honestly, I've in this space, I've kept my mouth pretty much shut. I'm a very opinionated guy in all ways. I would just point out quickly that if you're going to have a sports opinion show, and that's what this is, at a certain point, it's impossible to just completely ignore COVID and what my actual opinions on that are as well. Because guess what? All that stuff affects sports obviously. And really all I wanted to defend from this weekend is just this idea that, oh, I'll just defend my fellow Missourians for a second. Just this idea that, oh, well, we're we're just selfish people who don't care and we're just, we're throwing caution to the wind, blah, blah, blah. I'm sorry, again, voting with their feet. I was one of the few people who was down in downtown Columbia maybe five, six weeks ago because I was able to just simply isolate myself in this studio. You know, I just wanted to get out of the house every once in a while and record a podcast. But I'm telling you, when I walked down Broadway, it was a ghost town. I was quite often literally one of two or three people I could see on the sidewalks in any given direction. So it's quite obvious that, in fact, Missourians, Colombians, no, we did. We did what we were told. We did. We did our two weeks, our three weeks, our four weeks, even. But at a certain point, we start going. Wait a second here. We've had one person die in the whole county. Like again, this is that's about all I'm gonna say about the thing. I just want to point out that people are voting with their feet, their wallets, all that stuff. It's starting. You, you can argue against it all you want, but it's gonna take something more than what's been happening to get people scared back in their houses. And hey, if you're a college football fan. I frankly think that's a good thing. I think a lot of times people forget too that you know college, you know sports or whatever for for your average person who who just works and you know does you know lives the average person life. Well, sports are a distraction that goes on your TV and you know it's something that you enjoy doing. But with without them, you know you can still function absolutely. Think, but people forget that sports as a business and sports as a career. Um, and even this this affects college players really because you can't take away an entire year of someone's athletic career without severe consequences to them. So these, yeah. these kids only have four years of college eligibility, and then they you know obviously kids as they you know their their professional I don't want to say value but professional prospects are are determined. Sure, well, they will go to the league faster than other kids because once you get there and you can start earning money and a lot of money professionally athletically. That clock is very short as well. So, you know, most athletic careers are, you know, you don't get 25 years sure. to play professional baseball or professional football like you do if you work at a bank or something. Right. You know, you only have a set number of time that you can perform at that level. So taking whole years off of off of players, you know, effective shelf lives is, is a big thing. And that includes to, to amateur athletics as well. So I was going to say, frankly, even if you have no pro prospects whatsoever, it's almost even more magnified to me because if you're a type of – if you're a kid who's worked your whole life to be on the golf team, the swimming team, the wrestling team, whatever it might be, if we happen to cancel football, if there's no football season, we've already seen programs across the country being cut. I mean, don't think that can't happen at Mizzou, too. So there's just a lot of negative consequences that are beyond the obvious is, is all I would point out there. But you know what? You'll always have positive consequences if you go with Built Bar. Yes, Built Bar. 
my favorite protein bar. They're chocolate covered. You can get them with nuts. You can get them without nuts. And the good thing is, is they make those in separate locations. All you nut allergy people, you're good to go. But personally, I'm really getting into that that mint flavored built bar. It's it's kind of my jam right now. I got to be honest. So, you know what? All you got to do is go to builtbar.com. Use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get ten dollars off your first order. Frankly. Get the variety pack. You'll find out what you like that way. That's my advice. So, again, go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your first order. And coming up next, we've got our 1990 time machine, and I will pay off that Larry Smith trivia. All right, I'll give some more. I'll give a, a couple hints on our Larry Smith trivia. Where did he get his first victory as the Tiger head coach? Well, I'll tell you, it wasn't for O'Field, as you probably have guessed already. It's also a world-famous venue. That's another pretty good hint, right? But it's also a place that Missouri almost certainly will never play again. Now, keep that in mind. Almost certainly will never play again. So there's your hints, everybody. But with all that said, you know what? Kind of playing off more on this whole COVID thing. Obviously, some concerns have been brought up in the sports media landscape this past weekend is that well, certainly all college athletes, but college football is what we're focusing on right now. It's being said that these guys don't have a voice because essentially there's no union like there is in Major League Baseball, NFL, more to the point. But I don't find that to be the case because guess what? I, I happen to remember a time called November 2015. And it sure seemed like our football players had a voice din, did they not? Yeah, um, pretty <laughs> pretty loud voice pretty in fact that reverberated um, throughout the state yeah and the yeah, nation that was a big big turmoil here i mean some that not not nobody associated with the missouri program or that's a fan of the missouri program is going to forget the player essentially right. revolt yes where it seemed like you know gary, gary pingle might not coach another game you know and they they finally took the field for him against byu but yeah, yeah it was, was more of a mutiny against the university right, administration but, than Pinkle himself. Right, but people I got mad you, at Pinkle because sure. he, you know, because he sided with his players because he's right. a, a players' coach. But he was put in a terrible position there, no right. win. But so, yeah, they weren't. They were. It was more the they got with the protests and everything else that was going on. Right, um, and I guess my point is of bringing that up is just obviously to this day there's very passionate fan, very passionate opinions on both sides of that argument, as it were. And my point is, is not to relitigate that for the 10,000th right, right. time. It is just to point out that, yeah, these guys, they had power. No matter what you think of what they said, their words mattered. And don't you think that, like, say, let's take Nick Bolton. He may be the most prominent returning Tiger next year. Maybe Sean Robinson, the quarterback, if he starts. But let's just say Nick Bolton. If he were to come out on his Twitter page, his Instagram page, whatever it might be, where he has, I'm sure, thousands of followers – if he came out and expressed concerns about anything COVID-related, blah, 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 that would be immediately picked up by all the beat writers, retweeted. I mean, that would really reverberate throughout the college football world. So to act like these guys don't have a voice, I think, is a little bit naive and, I don't know, a little slavish to the idea of a union, I guess. I don't, I'm not sure what that is. No, you're correct. Um, you you sort of hinted at this in the previous section when you said that there are all the other things that athletic departments do you know, are economically driven by the football team. The football team is by far the biggest revenue generator for for any well, except any real university, <laughs> any real university. Yeah. Maybe not the one of the like West Kansas. over there. Yeah, right, okay, yeah. um, they don't count. Right. Even, honestly, in all seriousness, even they need that that football revenue. They right. Really do. So the so the players 
are, are not stupid. These guys are in college. I mean, and they have family and friends. They know that they they can essentially hold an athletic department hostage if they need to, if something's important enough. And I think you know they have to balance that against their own self interests. You know, obviously they need to play if they want to continue to progress in their careers. But in 2015 was a bit of a kind of a lost season anyway. So maybe that's kind of an isolated incident. But yeah, again, if, if anyone was, of those players were concerned enough over anything regarding this this illness, then they certainly they could force right. Well, it's interesting you bring that up. That 15 wasn't a great season by any stretch of the imagination. You wonder, on one hand, well, if the players were, if Mizzou was nine and two heading into that BYU game, would they have been more or less likely to speak their voices? Because obviously, if you got a Mizzou team that's possibly looking at a New Year's Day type bowl game, that type of deal, well, that makes it reverberate even more. It makes it even more of an effect, an effective of a protest. But then again, like you point out, your own self interest, like, well, gee, do I want to? have to answer this when I go to the NFL scouting combine in a few months. You know, there's just a lot of different values and pushes and pulls happening there. It's, it's pretty interesting stuff when you really think about it. But ultimately, I, I get the feeling that most of these kids, you know, again, look, look at the college kids down at the Lake of the Ozarks this weekend. I imagine football players are probably ready to get back at it, you know. These are guys who, you know, if you're playing college football – you're fairly uh you're used to risk you know what i mean like some people if you sit in in an office all day maybe you have a different level of risk than a guy like nick bolton who plays middle linebacker in the sec i don't think these guys are are living in fear let's put it that way well and these guys are at the absolute you know height of their physical peak so no one feels more invincible than you know than sure in this case you know a junior that's getting all-american because yeah. he's because he's six three two twenty five and can sure. run four, four five and just right. he just knows he's a different level of person and, right. and you feel like nothing can stop you right and I mean from all the evidence that we, that we've seen yeah those there, there's no yeah. evidence that that this particular condition is going to stop any of those guys right every single athlete that's that's had this and even coaches and and whatever Patrick Ewing's old dad I think just recovered over the weekend so I mean oh, I he, thought it was Patrick Ewing I think himself. it was his, I thought it was his father oh, okay but. Anyway, so regardless, there have been athletes that have contracted it, several, and, and they're and they're all fine. Yeah, Kevin so. Durant, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, three NBA players I just named there. But yeah, I mean, as far as the youngish guys who are in good shape, it seems like it's no problem whatsoever. To be honest with you, I mean, maybe somebody can give me one example where that hasn't been the case, but boy, certainly the lion's share it appears to be, and, and that's good news. We want this to be as as least deadly as possible. So. That's that's my take anyway, but you know what? Coming up after this, we got to go back to the year 1990 as part of our time machine segment. All right, this week on the Locked On Network, throughout the network, we'll be doing a segment called Time Machine. And using this time machine anybody getting my austin powers reference there no blake blake got a blank face there i'm, w- so. I'm wanting to do the uh, <laughs> i want to do the wayne's world like yeah thing yeah we'll do that later we'll add that in post no not really but so 1990 we're going to start with that then the next we got three episodes this week we're going to do 1990 2000 and 2010 but you know what 1990 quite the nondescript season for the University of Missouri football team, except notably, of course, this was the fifth down game year. But other than that, you know, a four and seven campaign for the Tigers, two and five in the Big Eight overall. Bob Stull's second season. You know, one thing I, I noticed from this period: our third game of the year was at Indiana, and Missouri lost fifty-eight to seven. 
and yet somehow played a one-possession game against the eventual national champions. Now, that's a, that's a bizarre result, to say the least, on both levels. Missouri would also lose at number 7 Nebraska, 69-21. to They'd lose at Oklahoma. No, I'm sorry, Fro Field, 55-10. to And again, yet, somehow we almost upset the national champions. Frankly, should have upset the, the eventual national champions. Frankly, so, did. But I was going to say, we can just say did. <laughs> right. I, you know, you might quibble with that word considering the actual, the actual official results. But, you know what, not a lot to uh, write home about with that season. It reminds me a little say, bit of, of, was it 2014 when we lost at Indiana to a not very good Indiana team and then went on to win the SEC East? Right. Well, it's funny you bring up Indiana. We're, we'll go, I'm gonna, since you brought it up, I'm going to go a little bit off the page here. I just noticed, oh man, fifty-eight to seven. We must have done okay against Indiana and in some of those other series, right? Indiana always is not very good traditionally at football. Well, apparently, from nineteen eighty-five to ninety-two, we played eight games against the Hoosiers, and we went zero six and two. We had two ties in Columbia, one at twenty-eight and one at twenty-seven, and eighty-eight and ninety-one, respectively. <laughs> I mean, honestly that the 85 first year of Woodenhofer, second to last season for stall in 92 honestly indiana probably killed mizzou football as much as anything that's what i wanted to bring up indiana and barb Euling. um <laughs> i didn't uh, i mean i knew those are dark times for for missouri football just a little I'm, I'm context a, i'm assuming it, it wasn't a huge renaissance for indiana football either that's just a relative a relative you know we were relatively that bad yeah, I'm not seeing any evidence that Indiana was uh, an excellent franchise in this period. Uh, I mean, a couple ties against Missouri is not anything to write home about either. But you know what? Having said, since we've got that out of the way, we do have some good stuff to talk about in 1990. In fact, a lot of good stuff for your Missouri basketball team. That is a very, very memorable team. They started off 89 as a preseason number 11. And in that 89, leading into 1990, they'd win the Maui Invitational losing only once before the 90, the 90s got underway in bragging rights. But most importantly, this season, this is really the first season. This is true of Mizzou football, too, for sure. This is really when I first started becoming aware, especially of everybody on the team. Like, previously, I'd be like, oh, Derek Chivas, he's cool, but I didn't know anybody else on the roster. This roster, I remember to this day, and you can see why. We beat Kansas who was number one in the country twice in one season in, in Hearn Center and Allen Fieldhouse. Come on, how great is that? And plus, well, this is a game that Blake and I covered, beat Oklahoma 92-90, an absolutely outstanding game in the Hearn Center. Go to LockedOnMizzou.com slash flashbacks if you want to check that one out. But unfortunately, as many great Mizzou seasons do, it ended on a sour note including losing two of their last three in the regular season, an absolute beatdown in Notre Dame, 98-67, I should say. They were upset as the Big 8 champions lost in the first round of the tournament to Colorado and then lost the first round of the NCAA tournament to Northern Iowa. Again, another game that Blake and I have covered in the archives. But, you know, just a really memorable, fantastic Mizzou season that unfortunately – Ended in a little bit of heartbreak. An injury to Nathan Bunton didn't help things at all there. But almost don't even know what to say. That was a really long-winded recap. That's all I know. Yeah, I, I can tell you my – I'm on an emotional roller coaster over here just riding the highs and then remembering the 
and it's even more so because we you know we rewatched those games and, and dug into what those reasons were um, on those on those rewatches that we have on there. But yeah, that's a just an absolutely great yeah. period of college basketball as we've brought up. before. What a great team! I think we maybe did one of those Kansas games too. You know, we never have because I don't think they had an entire one online. But one of these days, now that we're not doing the full watch-alongs, we'll have to dive into some of those games, too, for sure. I've, I've wanted to for a long time. I just I can't get enough of this era of Mizzou basketball. Doug Smith, Anthony Peeler, even Travis Ford is a true freshman. How about that? But I thought it was interesting on here at sportsreference.com, just looking at this team, Missouri averaged apparently – Nearly 87 points per game this season. That was only 22nd in the country. And I say only, I just mean, wow, there were really 21 who scored more than that. It just shows you how much more fast-paced and, frankly, visually appealing the game was in 1990. I don't feel that way about football. I don't want to go back to 1990 football, but sometimes I kind of want to go back to 1990 basketball. Do you feel what I'm saying there at all? Man, that's a real – I never even thought of it that way before, yeah. but you're, you're right. I like I like generally like the more – up-tempo football we have now and i like spreading it out shotgun offense i I like throwing it around the yard you know it just seems more advanced whereas i don't know sometimes i just feel the old days of college basketball 30 years ago were in in some ways more advanced obviously some ways not so much in terms of obviously the guys are in way better shape now they're they're in you know all that stuff jump higher run faster all that good stuff but just the style of play more than anything for whatever reason none of that (laughs) results in them putting the biscuit in the basket right more than they used to back then and the nba is way more wide open than it was in the in those that same time period that was more of a grinded out time in the nba well yeah especially once we got into the mid 90s for sure it really grinded to a halt for sure but yeah I'd say late late 80s, early 90s, we still had pretty good pace in the NBA, but it, it started slowing down big time. And I think it took longer in college basketball for sure. I didn't really feel the same. You know, Riley, Pat Riley, those Knicks teams in the mid-90s, that's what kind of started dragging the NBA's offense down a little bit. I never really felt that way in the 90s about college basketball. It felt like it took maybe to the mid-2000s. Maybe you saw the talent level starting to dip even more significantly. I, I, like I don't we, know what it I was. I thought we were fairly up, up-tempo and under Snyder. I thought like, so, too. And then, obviously, um, yeah, Mike, going Mike back Anderson's and watching, style was right. the, you know, the... Yeah, those games hold up well, things. too. So I think those, you know, maybe just here it was, we were not paying as much attention to the to everything changing around us because we continue to play, a, you know, entertaining brand of basketball at Mizzou, even right. if, if, if the results were, were inconsistent. Up and down at but, times, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, just, and then we just sort of landed in it. I guess the the, the Haith years that we were treated this first year was one of the best offensive years this we've ever seen. If anybody's yeah. ever seen, yeah. really. Yeah, that was amazingly efficient. Um, and then we fell into just a total black hole of everything for yeah. for three years. So Indeed, we did. we're still picking our way out of that tempo. So yeah, I guess I, I've only become as concerned about it since Kim Anderson, really. Yeah, I'm just fascinated when we – You'll hear this in those flashback episodes if you check them out again, LockedOnMizzou.com slash, fla- slash flashbacks, easy for me to say. You'll, you'll find that there's just so much less micromanaging, even to like a comical extent where Norm Stewart would basically tell his guys, go guard who you want to guard. You figure it out on the court, that kind of deal. And guys would guys like Anthony Peeler would essentially check themselves back into the game when they were ready to go if you had that kind of cachet as a player. 
That stuff just doesn't happen anymore. Now it's like, okay, slow it down and run the set that coach wants you to run, and every like read, every pass is planned out. I, I just get a little tired of that at times. Let's look for also just more early clock action in, the, in this era too, just more entertaining to me. But well, with that said, I guess it's time to pay off our our trivia. What, what, what's your guess, Blake? You got to give me a guess at least. Yeah, based on those clues, I was going to say maybe the the old Cotton Bowl. Ooh. Ooh, you're so close. You're you're in the right state. You're very close. It's actually the Houston Astrodome. Okay. Missouri beat Houston sixteen to nothing in front of eighteen thousand people in the Astrodome. Now that's a that sounds like a thriller to me. I don't know about you, but pretty sure that game was not televised. I think we can say that with with certainty. But <laughs> I've been to the site of the old Astrodome. Have tw- you twice? And I think it's three. still it's still there, isn't it? Yeah, it's still right there. It's, it's right next say, to Reliant. It hasn't or been NRG. I guess is what they call it now. But most recently, I was down there for Colts, uh, Colts Texans last year, and we just the person gotcha. that I go with, my buddy's season tickets are right by the uh, right right there. Par- the parking pass is right by the Astro yeah. Dump, so yeah, it's just again, sitting it's there, this, kind this of weird a construction monument. site. Yeah, just right. There's I don't even know what it is. I, I can't. It seemed like at one point. I don't think there's been an event in there since 2008. I believe that was the last uh, Astros game, possibly, and. The, Maybe not even Astros. There was some event there, and there hasn't been anything since. It's basically shut down with numerous code violations and all kinds of stuff. But, you know, one of the biggest wrestling events of all time was there as late as 2001, though, WrestleMania 17. But it was like the eighth winner of the world when they built it. I think they're probably oh, yeah. just kind of clinging to it as, yeah, it's you know, just maybe, it, maybe it can be restored at some point. I think at one point when Houston was bidding for the Olympics, I think that's one reason why they kept it around. They thought, okay, if we get the Olympics, I believe this was the 2012 games that London ultimately got. I think they thought, okay, we'll get this, and then maybe we'll put some money into the Astrodome. Maybe we'll get some some funding, et cetera, et cetera. But at this point, geez. Somebody should just buy it, blow it up, and start anew, right? I, I just can't imagine that they're really going to remake the Astrodome at a certain point. That just that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But anyway, that was kind of a that was kind of a detour there at the end. But I thought you would enjoy that bit of trivia. So you know what? While I'm here, got to remind you guys once again: checked out, locked on the SEC. My guy Blake Lovell got everything you need over there. So for Blake, I'm John, and until next time, this has been locked on Mizzou.